bless you. She wasn't sure. She was like, ah, should I do this or not? But thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. And our desire is that you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life and hopefully also Downing Christian Church your church home. And so we're so glad, so glad that you're here. And so um, today we're starting a new series, and I'm very excited about this series because I believe that this series has the potential to bring joy into your life. So we're starting this series today, and it's called Joy Stealers. And we're talking about four things. We're not going to talk about the four things today, but today we're going we're to start with the first of the four things that steal your joy. And so what I want to talk about is, is the fact, first of all, first of all, joy is the thing that we all ultimately seek. Like, we all want to be joyful. We want to have joy in our life. We want to have joy in our marriage. We want to have joy in our relationships. Like, we want that. We want to have a joyful life. Um, and this is what we seek in life. Like, like if you ask yourself, why do I get up in the morning every day? Is because you want to somehow make your life better or find joy. And so we're going to talk about this thing uh, today as we get started. Because there's also a, a, a counterfeit version of, of joy. And it's and It's happiness. Right, so there's joy and there's happiness, and they're, they're two different things. It's a happiness is the is a counterfeit version of joy. It's a lesser version. It's a it's the it's it's joy's ugly cousin, if you will. Right, so it's something that we think that we want, but ultimately, what we truly want is not happiness, but joy. But they're two different things. So you can be at a party. With, with a whole bunch of happiness, but have no joy in your heart. You can be at a funeral, and obviously there's no happiness at a funeral, but you have joy in your heart. Some of you guys have experiences. You have this, this deep-rooted joy because you know where the person is going to end up after he passes away. You see, there are two different things. You see, happiness comes and goes. Joy stands the test of time. Happiness depends on circumstances. But joy is, is grounded. Happiness is intermittent, right? But, but joy never changes. Happiness is a feeling, but, but joy is a conviction. You see, happiness will brighten your day, but joy will change your life. And so this is what we want. This is what we're going to be talking about. And my goal for this series, my goal for you, is that you walk away from this series filled with joy. Because this is actually what comes as a result of having a relationship with Christ. The truth is that only Jesus can give us joy. Only he can make everything okay. And let me tell you what the definition of joy is. This is a really, it's kind of a bad definition, but it'll, it'll kind of express the spirit of what I'm trying to express. And joy is this. Joy is, is this deep-rooted knowledge that everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Life is going to be Good, it's going to be bad, but at the end of the day, you know in your heart that regardless of circumstances, everything is going to be okay. Only Jesus can give us that true joy. Only he can make everything okay. With Jesus and only with Christ can you bring yourself to that, that, that state of mind where you can say, I'm good. I'm good. And this is what I want for you. And so let me give you three verses that hopefully will give you hope that this joy is actually available. So I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8, uh, verses um, 38 and 39, and it says this. 
For I am convinced, this is the Apostle Paul, he's the first missionary ever who uh, wrote most of the New Testament. Um, it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen. amen. Philippians 1.21 says this. This is the Apostle Paul also uh, writing to one of, this, one of his churches. It says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. What is he saying? He's like, I'm good. Like, if I live, I will continue doing what I'm doing. But if I die, I'm even better off yet because I can spend eternity with Christ. Hebrews 13, 5 is quoting the, the Old Testament. Never will I leave you. This is God. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so, if you have put your faith in Jesus, then everything is going to be Okay. However, there are things that can rob you from joy. And today I want to talk about one of those. We're talking about four of those during the series, but today I'm going to talk about one of those. The one I'm going to talk about today is self-centeredness. You see, if there's something that will steal your joy, is if you believe that the whole world revolves around you. This is one of the uh, big joy stealers. I'm number one. Me first. You know, everything revolves around me. So, have you ever been in a situation where, where um, you're being corrected publicly? Like, it's one thing to be corrected. And there's another thing to be corrected publicly. So, I think I might have shared this story before, but my wife, I love her to death. We've been married, it's going to be 20 years this year. Uh, but one of the things she used to do, but she doesn't do it anymore, is that she used to correct me with one specific thing, she would always correct me publicly, but she would do this one thing. She knew that I would always forget my, uh, my kids' uh, um, ages. So I know what they are now. It's 18, 15, and 13, right? I think I got those right. The problem is they always change. So I can't just stick with one number. And so, so I'm in a situation where, you know, we're, we're being introduced to, a, you know, a few people and, uh, and, you know, we're talking, and I'm like, hey, we got three kids, and, like, oh, and the person's like, oh, so what are their ages? And she just does this, and she just looks at me. <laughs> like, she could have just said, the, 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 she could have just said, you know, their ages, but she decided not to. Um, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that nobody likes to be corrected publicly, right? However, um, when you're corrected and you know that you're wrong, sometimes what you'll do is you'll just dig your heels in even though you know that you're wrong. Okay, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this happened to the Catholic Church a long time ago, about 500 years ago. This happened to the Catholic Church. And the Vatican was just digging their heels on a specific situation. This was the situation. How many of you guys know who, who uh, Nicholas Copernicus was? Some of you guys? Okay. So Nicholas Copernicus was uh, a scientist who discovered something that if he would have communicated this while he was alive, he would have probably been killed for heresy. Now the problem is that what he uh, believed or what was common knowledge back then, if I told you that what was common knowledge back then I actually believed right now, you would think that I was crazy. What was common knowledge back then what, was what? That, that everything revolved around the earth, that we were at the center of the solar system. But, you know, 
after some time went by, other scientists started, you know, recognizing that he was, he was right. But the Vatican took a while in admitting it. They took a while. Do you guys know how long it took the Vatican to admit that the sun was actually at the center of the universe? It took them 350 years to admit it. Do you know, just, just so you understand, 350 years, that's one person living and then dying and then another person being born, and then dying, and then another person being born, and then dying, and then another person being born, and then dying. That's more than four generations that it took them to be able to admit that it was actually the sun that was at the center of the solar system. Now, a few things are interesting to me about that. Number one is that Nicholas Copernicus could have been killed for denying something that would now would be considered as absurd as believing that the earth is flat. Now, don't get me started on the flat earthers, okay? <laughs> Number two, it was amazing to me how long it took for the Vatican to admit something that was, that was there. It took them 100 years longer than America has been a country. That's how long it took them. But the most important thing was the assumption. Here's the most important thing. This, this is how it applies to what we're talking today, about today. Is that, is that there was this assumption that we were at the center, that's where we started. Like, hey, just look around. Everything revolves around us. Now, you may think about that, and you may say, hey, people used to be very self-centered back then, and you may admit right now, obviously, you know, that the sun is at the center uh, of the solar system or at the center of the universe is what they believed back then. You may say, that's crazy. However, I think that we have trouble admitting the fact that we aren't at the center of our little universe. And so that's what I want to talk about today. You see, we assume somehow, for, for whatever reason, we all, we all struggle with this, is that we have to be first. Like we're at the center. We're at the center. Like the first words of a child is, is mine, me, first, for me, you know. Some of us have trouble believing that we shouldn't be at the center of our relationships, at the center of our goals, at the center of our world, at the center of our dreams, at the center of our ambition. And maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're not feeling particularly joyful. Let me propose to you that it is very possible that one of the reasons why you're not feeling particularly joyful is because you believe that you're at the center of the world or that you're supposed to be at the center of the world. I want to propose to you today that one of the biggest thieves of joy is self-centeredness. And now that this is very counterintuitive, um, in fact, we could argue, or, or some could argue, I've heard this before, that there are some scriptures that will lead you to believe that, that you are supposed to have everything that you set out for you, if you have a right relationship with God, that everything that you set out to do, you should achieve. One of the verses that I, I hear quoted sometimes is John 10.10. 10. We've heard this one before, right? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so what we assume is that, hey, you know, why did Jesus come? Well, he came so that we can have life and we can have life to the full. So that's the promise. And so we, we grab onto that and we're like, okay, I need to have a full life, which in our minds means my dreams need to come true in Christ. 
You know, my, my, my goals need to be achieved in Christ because that's why he came. My, my relationship should be amazing. My finances should be abundant. My health should be top-notch because that's why he came to give us life to the full. See that? Just by saying that, it's like, hey, that can preach, right? And immediately it's like, oh, wow, that sounds really good. And the assumption is, since, since Christ may, came to give us life to the full, when something wrong happens, like, or, or something doesn't go my way, we're like, something, something's wrong, like something's off. Like it shouldn't be this way. Like maybe I should try harder, maybe I should do better, maybe I should, you know, do more. Like something's not working because it seems like the promise of Jesus is not being fulfilled in my life because things don't seem to be going my way. And I would, I would argue this is not what Jesus meant when he said that he would give us a full and abundant life. I would argue that, that we actually hijack this life when we make life to the full all about ourselves. Did you catch that? When you, make, when, you, when you think that life to the full means a life that is all about me, we hijack the reason why Jesus came. And if we pursue this, we will vacillate between two feelings. One will be the feeling of guilt, because I'm never enough, or the, feel, the feeling of pride, because, hey, I achieved this on my own, but then you're going to bounce back into guilt, and the result of that is going to be anxiety, depression, like something is off, like my life... What's happening in my life? Like, I feel like I should be further along. Like, all those feelings, they come from the assumption that if you're a Christian, that if life came and you don't have a life to the full, which, whatever that means, maybe you're comparing yourself to other people, I don't know, but it seems like something isn't working out because all my dreams aren't coming true. Um, and we're not, we're not meant, we're not meant to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, by the way. God didn't design us that way. Um, and he doesn't expect us to do it either. So my, my, my hope is that this will free you as well. And so what I, wanna, what I want us to read now is, that, is something that, that Paul writes to the Colossians. And Paul makes this almost painfully clear in his letter to the Colossians. He's, he's making it so clear that we are not at the center of this world and we're not the center of our lives. I'm going to read this. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 22 says this. Listen to this. Let this. Let this enter your heart. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and for him he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Simply saying, what is he saying? Jesus is at the center of everything. Okay? He always has been. He always will be. You may think you are, but guess what? 
You're not. And this is my message to you today. It's very simple, actually. Very simple. Jesus is at the center of everything. He's at the center of your marriage. He's at the center of your job. He's at the center of your life. He's at the center of this church. He's at the center of your family. He's at the center of your finances. He's at the center of your health. He's at the center of everything. And you may say, Pastor, 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 hold the phone. Wait. He is sometimes when I allow him to. Sometimes he is at the center, but sometimes I'm at the center. And here's our problem. If you grew up in church like I did, there are some things that you hear a lot, and because you hear them so much, you think that they're in the Bible. But that's not necessarily true. Like I grew up thinking, uh, I would hear this sometimes, this idea of you have to let Jesus rule over you. Or, you, or you have to hand him over the keys of your life. Or you have to seat him on the throne of your life. And so, just, because here, that is so wrong. And, and, and here's why. Because the assumption is that you've been ruling over your whole own life, and Jesus is on the side waiting for you to allow him to rule. Or like you're driving your car, this is your life, your car is your life, and then Jesus is in the back seat, and he's saying, hey, could you let me drive for a little bit? And you're like, just, I got this, I'll give you five minutes later, right? Or, or even more, and this is, this is a more popular one, it's the idea of the throne. So, so it's the whole idea of you've been sitting on this throne, which is your life. Like I'm sitting, this is my throne. You know, and Jesus is waiting on the side for you to allow for him to sit there, and so you're like, um, okay, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to keep going here, but when I have a moment, then you can, yeah, I'll let you, you know, sit on my throne because this is my throne and I can allow for you to sit there or not. Do you, do you see the subtle arrogance in that? It's, 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 it's ingrained in our idea because we think that we have power and authority to be able to make these things happen. You see, thinking we are the ones putting God at the center would be, listen to this, I hope I can communicate this right. Thinking that we are the ones that put God, that, we, that we're the ones that take God and put them at the center of our lives because we decide to is like thinking that what Copernicus did when he discovered that the sun was at the center would be assuming that because he discovered that, that he was the one that grabbed the sun and put it at the center. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He only communicated something that had always been true from the beginning. Reality check. Listen, Jesus has always been in control. He has always been in the driver's seat. Jesus has always been on the throne. We didn't put him there. He is before all things. We just read it. He's been there long before we showed up, and he's going to be here continuing his reign when we leave. We just read, in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. You see, we're not called to hand him over the keys of our life. We are not called to, to put him in control. And we're certainly not called to sit him on the throne of our lives, but to wake up to the reality that has been true from the beginning. We just read, in him all things were created, and through him and for him, Jesus is at the center of everything. And so, 
So the question this morning isn't, is Jesus at the center? That's not the question. But are you digging your heels in and fighting this reality like the Vatican did for 350 years? It's a long time. Maybe you're here and and you've been trying to take control of your own life. I'm telling you, self-centeredness will steal your joy. It will steal it. So this message is not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you, I'm like, I'm like hey, walk away and now you've got these three things that you need to do. No, I'm not asking you to do anything. It's asking you to stop doing something. Stop holding on to control. In fact, it's not even stop holding on to control. It's stop holding on to the idea that you've ever been in control. So, maybe you're, you're here and you feel like you have to be in control, like you have to make things happen. Guess what? Control has always been an illusion. We're called to let it go. You see, you never had it. You never had it. You can't control people. You can't control circumstances. You can't control your health. You can't control the weather. You can't control how your spouse reacts. You can't control anything. And if you live your life believing that you can, you're in for a big surprise. Because sooner or later, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. That You're not in control. Whatever happens. And so, I hope this frees you this morning to accept that Jesus is in control of your finances, He's in control of your relationships. He's in control of your future. He's in control of your health. But everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. If you put your faith in Jesus, everything is going to be okay. You see, this is what joy is. Joy starts to come back into your life when you don't have to be in control. When you understand that your future is secure in Jesus. That should free you. And realize that everything that you seek in Christ, you already have. Not because of anything that you do or anything that you fail to do, but because of the complete work of Jesus on the cross. I'm going to end with this. Matthew 16, 25. It says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. and wh- But whoever loses their life for me they will find it it's like an upside down logic there you know when you give up your life voluntarily that's when you find life but when you try to hold on to your life that's when you lose it and so where are you at this morning have you let go of the illusion of control or are you still holding on You see, you can see where people are at when something really bad happens. Like if there's a big loss in the family or something like their whole world turns upside down, you can usually see where people are at. Because there's two two reactions to tragedy or to something where your whole world changes. There's two reactions. One is is you just keep holding on to control. Like this can't be real. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. You're just holding on to control and you you want things to be different and you're so frustrated. But there's another reaction too, and this is the beautiful one. When something terrible happens, some of you guys, I know you've been through this. There's this strange freedom in the realization that I've never been in control. And you you walk into this peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, where you're like, 
Okay, yes, I, 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 I'm so sad. I'm so sad right now. But now I know that I was never in control. And you just hand it over to Christ. And you realize that at the end of the day, if you're in Christ, everything's going to be okay. You see, Jesus invites us to let go of the illusion of control. So my question to you this morning is, what are you holding on to? I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to stop doing something, to let go of the illusion of control. Maybe you've lost something. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now. Relationship, finances, health, I don't know. Maybe you're, feel, are you feeling anxious this morning? Are you feeling stressed this morning? Are you feeling depressed this morning? And if you're feeling any of these things, there's no shame. I don't want you to feel guilty about these things. But all this has to do with, with holding on. And so we say, let go and let God, right? We've heard that before. And this is what it looks like. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Presenting is the idea of this. And you walk away. You just, you present it, you present it. Okay? And the peace of God, not the resolution of all your problems, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. So, um, I just finished restoring a, uh, a VW Bug. Some of you guys have seen it. It's a red one. And there's lots of repairs, and I had to write a check. And when I wrote that check, I'm like, oh, man. I was like, dude, that's like, you know, it was, it was, a, night, it was a sum of money that I, I was like, it was almost like I didn't want to, he was pulling and I was pulling. I'm exaggerating. It wasn't really like that. But that's how it felt at the end. I'm like, oh, man. And I finally let go. So sometimes that's, that's what that prayer is. That prayer, is, it's this. Because sometimes we pray to God and there's something that, that we want to be different and we pray to God, but we're still holding on to that thing. Like, I don't want to let go. There's something that I feel like I have to do more. But presenting your request to God is about presenting it, leaving it, and walking away. And doing what you can do, but allowing for God to intervene in your situation. You see, that's when joy starts to come in. Present your request to God. Let it go. Knowing that everything we need in Christ we already have. Not by something that we do or fail to do, but by what Christ already did for us on the cross. Let go of the illusion of control. And let the peace of God come into your heart. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. So we're going to pray right now. And I want to ask if we can just bow our heads. So we just all bow our heads. and um, no, Nobody looking around, please. Um, and I want to I pray for you. Because maybe you're here this morning. And you're just a super driven person. And you just get things done and you got to move things forward. And, or maybe you're here and you've, there's something in your life right now that you just can't let go of. It's a relational pain, maybe. Something that someone did to you. Maybe you, you went through a tragedy. Maybe somebody died too soon. They just died too soon. It doesn't make any sense to you. 
or someone's going through some physical pain right now that is just hard to bear. Maybe you're here this morning and there's an emotional baggage that you're carrying that you can't seem to let go. And so if that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And this is my prayer. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pray before I pray it. I'm going to pray that you will be able to present this request to God and that that will allow space in your heart for joy to come in and this conviction that even if things are hard right now, that at the end of the day, you will have joy. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to raise your hand, put it right back down, I'll just pray for you. Amen. 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 Lord God, this, this morning we pray to you, God. And we, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, because, because we, we know that you understand how we operate and how our minds tend to want to bring all of our thoughts to our goals and our purposes and changing things and making things go our way. I pray, God, that, that we will understand that, yes, there's things that we can do, but at the end of the day, that we can present our request to you and allow for that joy and that peace to come into our hearts. And so I pray specifically for the hands that were raised, the people that raised their hand right now, that, that you will allow for them, maybe later today or at some point during the week or maybe even right now, that they will present these requests to you. And that this will make a change in their hearts where they can actually feel joy, the joy that comes from you, God. We thank you so much for these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.